Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Number of things going to attempt to squeeze in today. I never managed to succeed because I simply don't have enough time on such a brief program once a week. Last week, I believe it was, I referred at one point to the sublime and the ridiculous, from the sublime to the ridiculous. So I began, I think, with the ridiculous. Now, I don't know, it could have been one, two, three weeks ago. So I will begin again, in this case, with the ridiculous. In this case, having to do with our commander-in-chief, the president, Donald Trump. And he was asked about whether he deserved the Nobel Peace Prize. And he stated the following, quote, everyone thinks so, but I would never say it, end quote. (laughs) Well, he just said it, didn't he? (laughs) You know, I mean, it just, uh, it it defies... uh, Understanding uh, for him to say that, but everyone thinks so. But I would never say it. He would never say it, but he said it on record to this reporter who asked him uh, in the White House. Well, (laughs) this is a case in point uh, with regard to a couple things, but the first being where the president says everyone thinks so. Okay, everybody in his circle. Everyone in his inner circle, in his bubble, in his (laughs) group, El Grupo, his team Trump, they all think so. Or at least they indicate that they think that he deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. They have either expressly stated that to him once, twice, thrice, whatever, in varying degrees of energetic enthusiasm, (laughs) or at least they have nodded their assent. What that states really is that he desperately needs person or persons within his innermost circles who will not speak, group speak to him, who will not be sycophants licking his boots and kissing up to him and buttering him up and telling him what he wants to hear. President of the United States or president of some other nation or leader of some other nation or leader of a state such as California, which now lays claim to having not the seventh largest economy in the world, but the fifth largest economy in the world. The fifth. (laughs) The state of California. Amazing. And amazing how many people that state is supporting (laughs) who are not Americans. (laughs) But any leader... 
of any nation, of any state, of any city, of any corporation, of any major undertaking, any leader within the military or anywhere else, they need to have at least one person in their innermost circle who's not against them, who's not stabbing them in the back, who's not betraying them, who's not trying to subvert them. (laughs) In other words, not a George Herbert Walker Bush VP for Ronald Reagan, but one person who will speak the truth, who has a heart for truth, and who has godly wisdom to some extent, which, according to God, requires that person have fear of God, of the one true God, not to be confused with um, some pseudonym, some alias for Satan, such as Allah. But one person who fears God, worships God, honors and obeys God. Not necessarily the most prodigious churchgoer or one who's high up in church circles but one person with a heart for truth who has a modicum of godly wisdom who will speak truth to that leader that is an absolutely critical indispensable need and yet our leaders not just the evil ones But the foolish ones, the vain, arrogant, blind, ignorant ones, self-serving ones, they insist on all of those around them being in lockstep, being loyal to them, which supposedly requires that they be in lockstep. And it is ruinous. But then he goes on to say, I would never say it. (laughs) Uh, This is the kind of comment that you can count on coming from our president, which have littered the way of his, not just his presidency, but his presidential campaign, and which fly in the face of all of his protestations about how smart he is. Well, if he's so smart, he sure says some amazing things. So, he desires to be honored with the Nobel Peace Prize. That Nobel Peace Prize, that Nobel organization, which is oh so honorable and noble, which I referred to, I believe, a week ago which nominated Joseph Stalin, the most prodigious mass murderer of all history, nominated him twice for the Nobel Peace Prize. He was not awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, shockingly enough. 
but he was nominated twice. And to this day, the Nobel Prize organization does not disavow that. They are not embarrassed about that. They are not ashamed of that. It's not disgraceful to them. No. The fact that Hitler, Adolf Hitler, was nominated, now they're embarrassed about that. But Joseph Stalin, no. And Joseph Stalin, again, murdered (laughs) on such a massive scale. Forgetting the numbers slain by the Red Army, just those murdered within the Soviet Union by Stalin's regime, numbers somewhere between 20 and 30 million. That's right. What an interesting rounding error there of 50%. 20 to 30 million. Communism, fascism, socialism, which is what all of that is, communism, fascism, being two branches of socialism. Socialists to the core are responsible for more evil, more violence, more bloodshed throughout history than anything else. Contrary to what various academicians would have us believe. But there is a sex scandal within the Nobel prize organization that's been brewing for decades because of the evils that have been perpetuated, that have been permitted, enabled, facilitated by the leaders of the various organizations there. But our president would like to be honored with the Nobel Peace Prize. Absolutely. I mean, why not? Why not join the ranks, you know, of Yasser Arafat, monstrous satanic destroyer that he was and or is, Henry Kissinger, Le Docteau, Barack Hussein Obama, and the list just goes on and on, Jimmy Carter, and he actually wants to be included in that group. Amazing. Well, and he would be, of course, receiving this ostensibly for bringing peace to Korea, right? Fantastic. Of course, we received word that the place and the date for this summit between the United States of America, the great soul world superpower, so-called, and Kim Jong-un's monstrous, evil, satanic communist regime of North Korea will be meeting in Singapore, I I don't know, it was something like June 12th or June 20th, something like that. 12th, I think. Something to look forward to. And so the United States of America bestows its honor, its seal of approval, if you will, (laughs) in essence, 
by extension, upon North Korea, upon this monstrous, evil, hateful, murderous, torturous regime that has enslaved and destroyed the peoples of North Korea for lo, these many, many, many decades. That is the regime of the Kim family, of Kim Jong-un, as I refer to him, and his father and his father's father, all of whom have themselves worshipped as God in the place of God and his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, they have themselves worshipped as God. But going to have a powwow with them, this is, of course, rewarding Kim for the torture, the murder of Otto Warmbier. University of Virginia student. No, no, no. Certainly it isn't rewarding them. Oh, no, no, no. Heavens, no. Nothing like that. Well, what is it? Is it to acquire a promise of peace on a piece of paper? Is that what it's about? To solicit a non-aggression pact against Free Korea, South Korea, which the communist regime of the Kim family has been hell-bent on overthrowing, enslaving, and destroying for all of its existence, and which continues unabated to this day. Well, fortunately, three Korean Americans were released from brutal imprisonment, and they had been tortured along the lines of Otto Warmbier, tortured to elicit confessions, and they were imprisoned in hard labor camps from which they otherwise would not have survived. So I am thankful that Kim Dong-chul and Tony Kim, otherwise known as Kim Sang-duk, and Kim Hak-song have been released. That's a good thing. Maybe our president should receive a Nobel Peace Prize for that, for securing their release, perchance. These are men who hazarded their lives to try to help the people of North Korea. These are Christian educators, businessmen who tried, who risked their lives to try to help the monstrously downtrodden and enslaved peoples of North Korea. But enough about that. Something else that is going on 
which continues to go on, if you will, is from the one of the two nations of which North Korea, the North Korean communist regime, is a satellite state of. And that is bloody red China. And, of course, former Soviet Union. Well, we go on doing everything in our power to enable, to equip, to strengthen and empower communist China to be able to overthrow, to militarily overthrow the sole world superpower, so-called, the United States of America. A while back, three years ago now, a woman, a businesswoman, you know, one of the downtrodden American women, who has been kept down by the glass ceiling, not permitted to attain to the heights that she might otherwise have. I'm referring to the chief executive officer, CEO of IBM, Virginia M. Romity. She said that IBM's approach in communist China, in China, she said, that it was different from the approach of any other technology company foreign to communist China. Quote, foreign firms need to collaborate with Chinese companies to grow new industries. Nowhere is this truer than in the IT sector, end quote. Collaborate, that's an interesting choice of words. It's like collaborating with the enemy. She said that opening IBM's chip, that is computer chip technology, to Chinese partners would quote, create a new and vibrant ecosystem of Chinese companies producing homegrown computer systems for the local and international markets, end quote. Outstanding. Great perspective. Despite the fact that all companies in China are controlled by the communist regime. Well, this is a continuation and expansion of IBM's open power program, so-called. It's been receiving, for a while now, attention with regard to communist China, because it plays into China's demands that foreign tech companies, meaning those foreign to communist China, must disclose their intellectual property, open up their encryption standards, so (laughs) de-encrypt 
all of their secrets, submit to invasive security audits of all products. Security audits. So they have to release all of their secrets, their corporate secrets. Have you ever heard of corporate espionage? It's a big issue here in the U.S. of A. between U.S. companies. But to do business in communist China requires to lay everything wide open. And this woman, at the absolute pinnacle of one of the powerhouse technology companies of the world, not just the United States of America, but the world, she has the foresight, the wisdom to think this is a good thing to collaborate with these Chinese companies. Allow them to see the guts, you might say, the absolute workings of the technology, the blueprints. Because it doesn't enter her head that all of this goes straight into the communist regime's hands to be used against the United States of America in ways that she can't imagine, she can't fathom. Now, is she alone? in her gross, gross unwisdom? Heavens no, absolutely not. And IBM received permission from the United States government to do this. That's right. Received permission from the Obama regime, Team Obama, to do this. The communist regime in Beijing requires American companies to hand over all of their technology, all of their technological secrets in order to do business with communist China. That sounds fair, doesn't it? That's right. IBM under Team Obama, under the Obama regime, under dear old Barack Hussein Obama, who swore to protect the United States of America from all enemies, foreign and domestic, gave permission to IBM to provide the Chinese. In this case, one of the companies was a Beijing company, Team Sun, with a blueprint of its higher-end servers and the software that runs on them. Oh, well, that's not going to have any repercussions down the line, is it? (laughs) What other companies? Oh, how about Qualcomm? Huge. Huge American company, international company, worldwide company, which in essence, you know, doing exactly the same thing. 
and enabling communist China to make leaps and bounds in artificial intelligence, in the field of artificial intelligence, in mobile technology, with supercomputers. Hmm. Well, that certainly sounds benevolent and beneficent, doesn't it? Or does it? What are the possible possible downsides of that? Well, it just so happens that communist China is seeking to integrate artificial intelligence into their guided missile systems. Oh, that sounds benevolent, doesn't it? And to use it to track people on closed-circuit cameras, to track their people, to enable them to more successfully enslave those whom they deem enemies of the state. That is, all Christian leaders, any whom they might suspect of working with the United States of America, also, as far as intelligence types, but all people, generally speaking, but in particular, to go after Christian leaders their families, and then also to target those whom they have gained intelligence, they have (laughs) intercepted intelligence from the United States of America and other Western nations as to think that this person or that person may be providing information to the Western world about evils going on in China. Wonderful. So dear old Qualcomm and IBM pursuing, greedily pursuing profit at all cost. Are collaborating with communist China. And talk about a short, short time span frame of reference to boost their profits for this quarter and next quarter and the following quarter, and meanwhile, to lose all future business with communist China because communist China won't need them anymore. Even if communist China does not use their increased, advanced, heightened technologies to wage war against the United States of America, it will eliminate these Western companies for all intents and purposes because it won't need them anymore. So talk about incredibly short-sighted, incredibly blind business practice all in the pursuit of the almighty dollar, the almighty pound, the almighty euro. Breathtaking.
Meanwhile, China has been investing in American artificial intelligence companies. Remarkable. But again, it's all benevolent. It's all beneficent. It's all just seeking peace and prosperity, prosperity and peace, the same as little satellite state North Korea is seeking. Our leaders, our great leaders, oh my, well, then they have a business ethics class for them, you know, at Harvard and Yale, because these various different business leaders, shockingly enough, have engaged in such a litany of unethical behaviors, of grievously (laughs) dishonest, immoral, unethical behaviors, that all They have an ethics class for them. The interesting thing about that, as far as business ethics, is that if you go to the specialty of ethics in academia, you find some of the most evil creatures on the face of the earth, such as Peter Singer. Some of the absolute most evil, unspeakably unethical people there are who are the leaders in the field of ethics. You know, the ones who say that babies should not be considered human until they are a year old. Little things like that. You know, Peter Singer, he's, he's got a million of them. He makes our president look very wise and wonderful and brilliant by comparison. But there is a method to his madness. (laughs) Australian Peter Singer, dean of ethics at Princeton University. He's probably not there any longer, but he was. Absolutely evil. Reminds me of a uh, certain prince over in Britain whom we will be seeing and hearing here in the next week with regard to the upcoming big event. I would say the patriarch, except it doesn't quite fit because it's a matriarchy, but the husband of the matriarch, who again has infamously referred to his ambitions, his hopes, his desire that after he dies that he will be reincarnated, come back to the earth as a killer virus to wipe out, to literally annihilate billions of people. All for the good of the earth. Yes, he's one of the founders there of World Wildlife Fund. Yes, the earth, Mother Earth, and the animals They trump people. It's like those ads, perhaps you've seen them. Uh, One of the ads run by World Wildlife Fund shows a snow leopard. And 
it's it gives the number of snow leopards that are alive uh, on this earth as far as what it is estimated at, and it's something like six and a half thousand. And then it goes on to say that they are being brutally hunted, trapped, and it shows one that it has a trap around its foot, on its leg. And they state that one snow leopard is killed every day of the year. One. And that is monstrous. And these are beautiful, majestic, wild, dangerous animals. But, so 365 snow leopards, it is estimated, are killed each year. 365 out of a population of 6,500, give or take. Certainly, I understand people being concerned and being moved by these ads and being compelled to give to World Wildlife Fund. But 365 killed a year, one killed each day. Would that it was only one preborn baby slaughtered each day in this world. Or only 10,000, or only 100,000. And maybe it is only 100,000 <laughs> as compared to one a day. But Prince Philip, Peter Singer, people of such high ethics. like our great business leaders. Hmm. Well, President Trump, one thing that he did that was right... Oh, pardon me, let me digress for a moment. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever I happen to share on this program that is right, that is true, that is good, is thanks to God Almighty and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever failings and lack there are on this program are due to me. But as I was saying, our president did something right. He warned Iran, not to restart the nuclear program. Well, that was a right thing, wasn't it? No, not really. <laughs> okay, what was right was withdrawing the United States of America from Barack Hussein Obama's outrageous Iran nuclear deal. That was right. Which he finally put his signature to. However, warning Iran, warning the Islamist regime of Iran not to dare to restart its nuclear program is, again, profoundly 
breathtakingly, idiotically inaccurate. Now, our president receives these incredibly top-secret, hypersensitive intelligence briefings daily. The ones that his son-in-law was privy to. before he was denied such access, and which he poured over, gave much greater attention to, I am certain, than our commander-in-chief, the president should know better. Iran, the Islamist, vicious, ruthless, murderous, satanic regime of Iran, never stopped its nuclear program, its nuclear weapons program. It never stopped. To warn Iran now following dumping Obama's outrageous Iran nuclear deal ever so belatedly and after the United States of America has paid vast fortunes to Iran, associated with that monstrous, evil, traitorous deal, to then warn Iran, the Iranian Islamist regime, not to restart its nuclear weapons programs, which it never stopped, not to restart them, but they never stopped them, is incomprehensible. It's just... I don't know who he made that announcement for the benefit of. I don't know. But uh, truly remarkable. But he did. Meanwhile, Iran, the Iranian Islamist regime, has shelled Israel and the Golan Heights. Yes, Iran, dear old peace-loving, benevolent, beneficent Iran has been attacking Israel and Israel defending itself. And we will see so much more coming from the Middle East, which, of course, our president's son-in-law has been tasked with, entrusted with, responsibility to carve out a piece over there, a piece, not a piece of land, a piece. <laughs> Remarkable. Uh, it's not, not going to happen that way. But back to the U.S. of A. and the world at large. Boy Scouts of America, formerly so-called. They have a chief scout executive, Mike Serbaugh. And dear Mike said, quote, We're trying to find the right way to say we're here for both young men and young women. End quote. For boys and girls. Yes, the Boy Scouts are now integrating. And you might say, well... High time, high time that they start allowing girls into the Boy Scouts. 
even if it does net damage to the Girl Scouts, even if it is entirely selfishly, self-servingly motivated for the organization, not for the children. This is not in the interest of the children. This is for the organization whose membership has been lagging. Dear old Mike Serbaugh, he said that Boy Scouts of America's national leadership respected the Girl Scouts program and hoped that both organizations could gain strength. (laughs) Yes, by stabbing the Girl Scouts of America in the back. That is a great way to do it. And now a quote from Mike. Quote, if the best fit for your girl, previously referred to by Mike as young women, back to it. Quote, if the best fit for your girl is the Girl Scouts, that's fantastic. If it's not them, it might be us, end quote. Outstanding. The Boy Scouts of America, like the YMCA and so on and so forth, was founded to be a godly organization. It wasn't founded to preclude or oppress girls. It was founded to serve boys. It was founded to help instill qualities and values in them, to develop them. It's like the YMCA and the YWCA, which we have, uh, of course, merger there. No, we can't have individual organizations. That would be wrong. It would just be wrong, wouldn't it, to have a separate organization for boys and a separate organization for girls. We can't have that. That just would not be right. It would be wrong. So these geniuses have uh, really, you know, taken giant strides to improve the situation. To make the former Boy Scouts of America, now Scouts BSA is the new name, to make it the omnibus organization and to shut out, to starve off the Girl Scouts. Great stuff. Well, the Boy Scouts of America prior to this, of course, going back to 2013, accepted openly sodomite members, and supposedly not among its leadership. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Supposedly not for troop leaders. Mm -hmm. Not for their leaders, their leadership, their Mike Serbos. No, 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 certainly not. Well, I thought it was interesting to see that the Mormons are going to cut ties with the Boy Scouts And the reasoning given by them was convoluted. And uh, as far as I was concerned, strange. But there are reasons why they're doing so. And I don't blame them for doing so. But now this is going to sound curious to you. Uh, Probably. 
I think that is actually a good development. A good development from this perspective. In places where the Mormons have enjoyed absolute control, places like Utah, for a boy to join Boy Scouts of America has meant joining an organization totally controlled by the Mormons. So the fact that the Mormons are cutting ties, the non-Christian Mormons, the cult Mormons, which is the name that I use instead of going into their grandiose names. I think that's a good thing. I do. I think that's a good development, ironically. (laughs) But it is a development that happened in response to these very problematic developments with the Boy Scouts of America. I mentioned previously about California now being noted as being the fifth largest economy in the world. Yes, that it has surpassed the United Kingdom now. The United Kingdom, on which there has been so much focus here for a while, leading up to the wedding and that there will be further focus on in the coming days. Well, California has surpassed the UK. (laughs) This is going by GDP, gross domestic product. Yes, California now is only behind the USA, China, Japan, and Germany. Isn't that great? But that is in spite of all of the monstrous, myriad, grave problems in California. It's because of the enormous, enormous... financial success of the dot-coms, the technology companies that are headquartered in California. Also, defense interests and so forth. And of course, agriculture, but not chiefly because of agriculture. It's chiefly these other things. Of course, California is a huge port of import, (laughs) but as well as export. Huge. And then there's the entertainment industry, you know, the propaganda industry, the indoctrination industry. But uh, fifth largest economy, fantastic. But first, in some other respects, like... um, Illegal aliens, (laughs) illegal aliens receiving 
state funds extracted from taxpayers, federal funds, and so on and so forth. California, number one as a sanctuary state, sanctuary for illegal aliens, including those who grievously prey upon those in California, Californians, Americans, citizens, including those who have immigrated to the United States of America from Mexico and from Central America and from South America legally, and including those who have come here illegally. But there are multitudes of vicious, ruthless destroyers who have come from those places who are preying upon them in California. You know, there have been mentions for decades now with regard to possible ill effects from cell phones, right? And it's always stated that no, that no actual factual link has been determined, has been found. There's no actual evidence of people contracting cancer as a result of cell phone, cell phone use. Well, there has been a finding here, and there are multitudes of studies you know, around the world that are done on this, that, and the other thing. But this one study found a very telling increase in aggressive brain cancer, which it linked to mobile phone use. Instead, that the cases more than doubled over a period of two decades. And it was published in the Journal of Public Health and Environment. And I thought this was interesting, this comment from Professor Dennis Henshaw of Children with Cancer UK. Quote, Our findings illustrate the need to look more carefully at and to try to explain the mechanisms behind these cancer trends instead of brushing the causal factors under the carpet and focusing only on cures, end quote. Well, the study has received criticism from some scientists who state that the rise in cases could be caused by other factors. But what I find so fascinating about this is that this has direct correlation with regard to breast cancer. And all that we continue to hear, all the fundraising to raise awareness of breast cancer. And meanwhile, you look at the so-called causal factors, and they've got everything from soup to nuts except for induced abortion, which has the most 
obvious, unmistakable causal link to explosion of cancer cells in a woman's body and for which there are multitudes of studies that have had absolutely damning findings, but which continues to be quashed by the breast cancer groups, research groups, funding groups, and so forth. You know, American Cancer Society and Susan G. Komen Foundation and these others. Oh, well. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.